The reason why we gather like this is just for us to remind you that God loves you. He loves you with an unending love. He loves you more than you could imagine, even if you don't believe in him. Can I say that to you? If you're here today and maybe you, you say, I, I'm not even sure I believe in God. I don't know that I believe in this Jesus. Can I just tell you that he believed in you? He believed in you enough that Jesus came to this world and he died so that he could step in line for all the things that you and I have done and so we could receive his grace. And so that's why we're here today gathering and uh, Man, it's just an honor to be here together with all of you here in Lithopolis, as well as our family in Lancaster. Can we welcome our family in Lancaster right now and those watching online? If you're, if you're new with us, we, we just started a series uh, last week called Love Is. It was Valentine's Day weekend, and we thought it's a perfect time to begin a conversation about love. And, and we know that the world defines love in so many different ways. But what we're trying to discover is how did God define love? How does that affect our relationships? How does that affect them? You know, God wants you to have relationships with others. He made you for relationships. And so we're trying to, we're trying to learn that, find God's rhythm for love in our, our relationships and dating and marriage. And, and uh, if you would just remain standing for a moment longer, I'd love to read to you just to, kind of what was the inspiration for me for the series, uh, Love Is. It really comes from uh, a description of love that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And let me read to you just a few of these verses again. It says that love mm, is patient and love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others and it is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Come on, I know every one of us want to be on the other side of that kind of love. I know that about you. We all do. But we're only going to discover this kind of love with God, not apart from him. Because this is who God is. And I want to today, I want to lean in as we move on in our, our conversation about this. I want to lean in onto what it said in verse 5. It said, love does not dishonor others. And the title of our talk today is this, love is honoring. Love is honoring. Everybody say it out loud with me. Love is honoring. Come on, say it again. Love is honoring. You know, we believe in honor at this church. It's one of our core values. We say that honor is our posture that we're going to honor those around us, those above us, those beneath us, because God created them, and they matter to God, and they matter to us. And so we're going to be a people of honor. Listen, our culture might not have a lot of honor today, but I believe if anybody should demonstrate and lead the way with, the, with honor, it is the people of God. And so today I just pray that God's going to open up our hearts when it comes to our relationships. What does it look like to honor each other? If you all just bow your heads and... Quiet your cell phones. Let's pray together. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your grace. And God, we pray that today that you would open up our, our hearts, our minds, God, that we, would, that we would hear the truth that you have for us. And I pray, God, the things that um, push back against things that we've held to be true. I pray, God, that this would be a time where where, God, you would help us to see love the way you intended it, that you would help us to see relationships the way you designed them. 
God, we just thank you for these moments. There's something special about when we gather together in your presence and we sense that you're here right now. So God, would you lead us and teach us and change us today? We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, can we give them praise one more time? You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you, Janice. Can you all give it up for Janice? She's so good. Those of you in Lancaster wonder who Janice is. She was playing keys for us just a moment ago. And so, anyways, you know, um, when I was in high school, and I won't say when that was because I don't want to date myself, but uh, there, there was this term that often got used that always um, was the precursor before a fight. If you ever heard somebody say this, it was like whenever somebody would start something, they would say something, because that's how all farts start. They usually someone said something, and they would kind of talk smack. They would do something. They would cut you down. They would you know, make some comment about your shoes or your clothes or something. Uh, it was this term. Somebody would always walk up and be like, oh, man, are you going to let him diss you like that? How many of you ever heard the term diss? Come on. I know, I know that might not be something we say today in school, but it would be like, are you going to let him diss you like that? Are you, dude, she just dissed your mama. Are you going to, and then, and then if somebody said that, those were the words that you didn't let somebody diss you, that's when you had to straight step. Again, that's old. This is old vernacular when I was like, don't make me step. That is like old, old language. And uh, I, I guess it's fitting because when I think about honor, maybe it is an appropriate prefix to put the word diss in front of it. You, you know, because that's what happens when somebody dishonors someone it, it is when they, they, the level of respect just goes down and they just dissed you to dishonor. Can I just say today, this is something, and, I, and I'm not trying to be negative, but it feels like in our culture that, that honor isn't really a value anymore. And I don't know, maybe everybody says that as they get older, I don't know, but... It just seems like in our, in our culture that we don't really, there's, it used to be, it seemed like there was a higher level of, of honor where, where, you know, we honored our country, we honored our leaders, we honored our teachers, we honored our law enforcement, we honored the president, we honored people in places of authority. There was more of an emphasis of honor than I see today in our culture, and, and everything is so kind of uh, familiar and everything is so uh, first name basis and everything is God you think about what social media has done to kind of create a level playing field in our culture today that there just seems to be kind of a lack of giving honor to whom it's due like like we are to honor people that are due honor and I think a lot of us go what do, what do you mean due what do you mean like I was honor you if you're worthy of honor but what do you mean if it's due honor well the, the Apostle Paul actually said something real interesting. He's the guy, by the way, that wrote that beautiful passage, that poem on, on love that I read to you. You're like, oh, I like that. Well, he also said something about honor in Romans 13, 7. Let, let me read to you just what he said because this doesn't seem to fit with what we think about honor. He said, give to everyone what you owe them. Now, we know this is uh, coming around on tax time, so this will apply. If you owe taxes, you should do what? Pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If you owe someone money. If, if respect, then respect. And then he said this, if what? Everybody say it. If, if honor, then honor. He said this, um, give to everyone what you owe them. 
Most of us would never think about owing someone honor. Give to somebody what you owe. Okay, I get money, and I borrowed some money. I owe you a mortgage. I got to pay it back. No, no, he puts honor in that same category. And a lot of times what we think is that we think is honor is something that you have to earn. Before I honor you, can I say we, we have this phrase, we, say, we hear it all the time, respect is earned. I agree with that. But honor is given, and honor is ascribed not by anything that we do, but because of who we are. There's a difference. I just want to help you understand about honor. It's a different level to respect. It's a deeper level. It's an intrinsic thing. It has to do with, listen, you have value because God made you. Because of who we are and, and what it feels like in our relationships even is that we can get so casual that it's easy to dishonor. Paul said that love, though, you say, what is love? Love does not dishonor others. I find it's real easy to often dishonor people. Can I tell you who we tend to dishonor the most? We dishonor the most those who are closest to us. Let's be honest. That those who get closest to, those that we're most familiar with, those that we're closest to in relationships tend to be the ones that we take out our anger on, tend to be the ones that we will talk down, tend to be the ones that we will dishonor the most. Those closest to us, listen, I'm not the one that said that. Actually, Jesus said that. There was actually a moment when Jesus had begun his ministry and he was doing incredible, crazy, documented, eyewitness miracles. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, he had raised a dead girl to life. There were witnesses. People had seen it, wrote it down. Right after that, in Mark chapter 6, you could read this on your own, Jesus travels back to his hometown. He grew up in a real small hometown in Nazareth. He goes back to his hometown. And when he gets there, he goes back to his home church. You know, kind of like if you went home, you're like, I got to visit all my friends. I want to go back to my home church. He goes back to his home church, you know, where he grew up, where he went to youth group and all that. It was his home synagogue. And, 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 and so Jesus shows up there and they're like, oh my gosh, we've heard of him. Like Jesus, Jesus is back. And I, I've heard the craziest stories, and I've heard, the, hey, like, we should give him the microphone and let him preach. Can I just tell you, if Jesus ever walks into our church, you better bet I'm not preaching that Sunday. I'll be like, I, I'm not about to stand up here. I'm like, you go take the mic. And so they give Jesus the mic, and Jesus opens up the prophet Isaiah, and he reads from the scroll. When he gets done, he starts talking to him, and everybody's mind is blown. Because here's why. They knew him all growing up. They're like, this, oh, we knew, oh, Jesus. He was one. Didn't you go to middle school with Jesus, Johnny? Weren't you in his class? And didn't he help build the front porch on Billy's, the front of his house? And this is Jesus. And it says that they heard him speak with wisdom and all this. And because they were so familiar and they thought they knew him, they took offense at him. They were offended. It's like, who, who do you think you are, you? Come back here and start talking to us like you're somebody. We know where you came from. And they took offense. And Jesus said something in Mark 6 that I wanted to read to you. Mark 6, verse 4. He's talking about honor. Jesus told him this. He said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and his own family. Isn't that crazy? He's saying, this is how honor works. That oftentimes that people are honored because of who they are, what they do, or the position, whatever. And he said the people who tend to dishonor the most are the ones who are closest. 
The one place where there isn't honor given, though it's due, was in his own hometown, in his own family, among his own relatives. If I were to ask you today to rank the people that matter to you the most in an order of one being the most important down to ten, my guess is all of us would have a list that looks something like this. We'd say, okay, my immediate family, they're number one. Be my wife, my husband, my kids. They'd be right, right in their good, close second. They're not going to be number one. They're going to be a good, close number two is my kids, right? And then after that, you might say your parents and, and then maybe your siblings if you kind of get along with your siblings. And then it could be your grandparents. You know, you love your grandparents. And then maybe you're going to go to your friends, people you love to hang out with, and then your coworkers, and you're going to create this list. Here's what's interesting. If we look at how we actually honor people, it's often in reverse. We will tend to honor those furthest from us, the ones that we say matter to us the most. Let's be honest, especially in our marriages, we tend to honor the least. Can I say it this way? The ones that we say we love the most, we often honor the least. And what's crazy is that when it comes to relationships, and really, can I just say the closest relationship? I want to talk about marriage for a moment. When it comes to even that relationship, here's what's sad, and I've seen this is that we will tend to uh, treat our spouse differently than we would ever treat someone else's spouse. Have you ever noticed that? If you're married, you tend to treat someone else's spouse with a lot more respect and honor sometimes than even your own spouse. It's because those closest, why? Because familiarity breeds contempt, or should I say this, brings a lack of honor when we're that close. And we're that community. Can, can I just tell you that one of the greatest ways that we tend to dishonor one another in relationships, let me tell you what I think is the number one way, is that we take them for granted. The longer you're with someone, the more you take them for granted. That tends to be reality. It is so easy. Can I tell you why we take our spouses or significant other? can I tell you why we tend to take them for granted the most? Let me tell you why. It's because they're always there. It's because they're faithful. It's because they're steadfast. It's because you can count on them. It's, it's because you can count on them, then, then we stop honoring them. Because they're just there and you expect it and you expect their love, that we often stop honoring them for who they are. And this happens in marriages, and then we wonder why there's such a breakdown in marriages today. If I could tell you that it often starts the moment we stop honoring one another. And so today what I want to do in the time that we have is I, I want to speak directly, even though it's a relationship series that you can apply. What I'm going to share with you, you can apply in, in, in many different avenues, but I want to talk specifically to those who are married today. If you are married, I want to talk about how to honor one another according to God's word today. And we got all different ideas of what it looks like to honor, but I, I want us to learn the rhythm of, of honor and love according to God's perspective. Because, listen, if we could just look at the success rate or failure rate of marriage today, I, I think we ought to stop taking our cue for what love and marriage should look like from our culture, and maybe we need to get a better source. I think we need a better source. for. And so today, I, I want to talk about, if you got your Bible with you, would you open up to 1 Peter chapter 3? Or if you got an electronic device, let's... Let's dive into 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'd love to, I want to talk first, uh, I want to talk to husbands and wives about honor and what God's word has to say about it. 
Now, first, I want to do what uh, Peter does. So Peter is, is real smart. This is what every gentleman learns, and that is that ladies go first. And so Peter, in talking about honor. Now, let, let me just preface this. First Peter chapter 2, you could go read this on your own. He talks a lot about honor in general. He says we should honor everyone. Kind of sounds like what Paul said about love. We, we should honor everyone. He talks about we should um, honor the king. We should fear God. He, he, just, he talks about a lot about honor. And in that same context, he turns the conversation to husbands and wives. That's why we're going to do that today. And first, he turns the conversation toward the wives. Wives, are you ready for this? Don't get mad at me when I read this to you. But we're going to dive into it. And I think you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to like where we go with this, okay? So just relax a little bit. Some of you seem tense, okay? 1 Peter 3, verse 1, it says, In the same ways, he's talking about honor. You wives must accept the what? Everybody say it out loud, the? Okay, now I just want all the ladies to say that word out loud. You wives must accept the? Okay, that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. We just, of your husbands, it's important. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Now, Peter is talking in the context of honor here. And just so you know, Peter was married as he's talking to us. He's not just talking theologically and theoretically, but practically speaking. And yes, he's a man. And the thing that he just says right there in that passage, can I just stand here and say, is not a 21st century concept? What he says in that, let's just all kind of agree, let's just kind of, I love, if there's one thing you'll learn about me, I love to dive right into tension of culture today, and it does not bother me one bit. Can we all just agree that that is not a popular saying, what he just said? Wives accept some translations say submit to the authority of your husbands. Like, if I could just pause and say that every wife, every woman right now that has something inside of you that goes, oh, no, 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 no. We have come far too long to, to, to go back to this, 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 uh, this bad ideology, this misogynistic way of thinking. Like, no, no, no. I mean, think about the women's suffrage movement. We think about the 19th Amendment for women to be able to vote. And I'm like, praise God for all of that and the equality of women. Can I just tell you, I am pro-women. I just want you to know that. I love women. I'm for women. I'm for equality in women. I'm for equal pay. I just want to say all that up front. Okay, I just want you to know that. I really am. And he talks about wives submitting then to the authority of your husband. Can I just tell you the reason why if you're here and you're a woman, there's something inside of you kind of goes, oh, can I say it's probably because you have not experienced possibly the way God intended for this to work. Or because you have seen the abuse of authority in our culture today. Can I tell you what authority is for? I want, I want to talk about this for a little bit. So we're just going to put pause on this. I'll come back to talk to you ladies. Can I tell you what authority was originally given to us for? It was given to us primarily for protection. Authority was given to us so that we could live in protection. You have to go all the way back to the very beginning of creation, the very beginning. Again, now if you're here and you're new and you're like, well, well, I don't know that I buy into this whole creation idea or Genesis account of the beginning of the world. That's fine. That's fine. You got a different 
Think of it figuratively. There's still something we can learn from it. But if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and, and Adam and Eve when God created the first man and woman, and in this picture, I want you to see that, that God created everything. And here's one of the things that we, we learn in Genesis 1, that God created all mankind, and then he said, I give you authority or dominion over my world to rule it. This is what God did. He said, I take authority and I transfer it to you when he created mankind. Okay? And then he created an establishment of authority of the man who he created first to be an authority, a protection for the wife and the family. And we all know how maybe the story goes where, where the serpent tempts Eve and then she takes of that forbidden fruit and she eats of it. And you know what the scriptures tell us in Genesis 3? It says that right after Eve ate the fruit, it says she gave some to her husband who was with her at the time. This is really important. It's just a little clause, and it's so easy to miss. Literally tells us Adam was standing with her when she took of the fruit that God had said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die, and put it to her lips. Can I tell you the very first failure that man ever had was not eating that fruit, but for mankind, it was not protecting his wife from eating that fruit. How do we know that? Because when God showed up, the first person he talked to was the man. I'm just showing you what God established, and there's a reason for it, so just hold on. He has talked to the man first. What did you do? Oh, it wasn't me. It was her. Then he talked to her. What did you do? It wasn't me. It was the serpent. He said, all right, hold on. We're going to sort this whole mess out. And then God handed out a curse because of it. And when he got to man, can I read to you what, what God said was Adam's downfall. If you want to know mankind, when it's starting with the man, what man's downfall was, here's what he says in Genesis 3, verse 17. To Adam, he said... Because you did what? Everybody say that with me. Because you listened to your wife. I'm just reading the Bible. Okay. <laughs> because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. And he went on to, to talk about the, the curse. Man's first failure was not protecting his wife. This is the way God had established authority. It was for protection. It was not for dominance. It was not to say you're better than. It was not, see this is the problem, is we've twisted this and it's been abused by men over the years. This is not the picture of authority. Can I just tell you about that? In fact, I, I really want us to dive a little bit deeper into this picture and if I could just Go just a little bit deeper on authority and help us understand what is significantly happening when it comes to authority in this moment. Is that in this moment when mankind messed up, let me tell you what he did. They transferred to the devil their authority. God gave it to man. When man obeyed the devil in that moment, rather than obeying God's authority, there was a transfer of authority to the devil. Let me, I want to show you this because I, 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 this is so important. And when they messed up, God killed an animal and made a covering for them of, of skins. Maybe you've heard that part of the story. To, to cover what they had done and messed up. And then God created and had a plan that he was going to come. This was a rescue mission. Do you know when Jesus came to this earth, it wasn't just to rescue us, but it was also a SWAT mission to take back authority from the devil. 
If you were here a couple weeks ago, I preached a message called Bad Trades. We talked about Jacob and Esau. And in that moment, we, we, we talked about how Jesus, after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was, says there that the devil came to tempt him. And the devil tried to convince Jesus to make a bad trade. And here's what the devil did. He, he, he said, come on, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, do this. One of those temptations, this is so important and significant, was he took him up to a high place where he could see all the kingdoms of the earth. And the devil said something, because he, he said, if you will worship me, he said, I'm going to give you something. In fact, I want to read it to you. He said this in Luke 4, 6. This was the devil. He said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Notice what he said. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Wait a minute. God gave dominion over the earth to man, and now here's the devil saying, I have it. God didn't give it to the devil. He gave it to mankind. Mankind, when he obeyed him, gave it back to the devil. And Jesus did not fall for that. But what we need to understand about authority is one of the reasons why Jesus came was so that he could take back what the devil had taken that was never supposed to be his in the first place. So when Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins and became a covering for us, he also went down to the depths and he took the keys of death and hell and the grave. And in Revelation, he says, I have the keys to this. I have authority over death. And he proved that in his resurrection. Now listen, here's so important. And now any of us, when we submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus and we confess him, Lord, over our lives here's what happens you get under his protection now no matter what you've done in your life that's when God looks down guess what he sees he sees a covering he sees a protection authority was always intended to be a form of protection for those who are under it today we live in a culture that just loves to rebel authority and we don't realize that when we rebel from authority we actually get out from underneath what was there to protect us can I say something to you men real quick Men, God gave you authority to protect and to lead your home. He gave you authority. Can I say it this way? Because this is how our law enforcement are all trained. When you get a badge, you say, what's your primary purpose? What are you here to do? You know what they'll say? They'll say, we're here to serve and protect. If I could just say something to the men real quick, and then we'll go back to the wives. Can I tell you why God placed authority on you? It is so that you can serve and protect your wife and your family. It's not so that you can lead like you're some macho man. You can be a dictator so that you can talk down to, so you can act like you're the boss of the place and don't talk to me that way, woman, and don't talk. That is not the way God. In fact, Jesus showed us what real leadership is when he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. Jesus said leadership is giving your life for somebody. It is true service. And so if I could just say men, please, if I could just call you men, be the kind of leader that is not often seen in the world, but is totally seen through the eyes of Jesus. We need men today who do not abdicate their place of authority or presence, but step up and become the emotional leader of the home. Be the spiritual leader of the home. Be present in the home. Listen, it would change our society. It would change our society. Do you realize they say over 90% of people who are locked up behind bars today came from fatherless homes? That's not a coincidence. Guys, I'm speaking to guys right now. The greatest thing that you can do possibly in this world is not make a bunch of money, is not have some great title, not have a bunch of respect from a bunch of people that don't really care that much about you anyways. But it's to lead your wife 
and lead your children by serving and protecting them. That's the greatest thing that you could do. And ladies, if I could just say, I get why I think there's sometimes a little bit of a resistance to this idea of authority of the husband over you. And primarily, I get it because over the years, and you look at history, men have often, I'm not saying you guys and the men specifically here, I'm just saying generally, men have often abused their place of authority. Men have used their physical size and have used their physical stature to oppress or to, uh, to treat women and children. In fact, you go back to the time when Jesus lived, women and children had no rights. They were not allowed to be educated. They were literally kept in an environment where they could be oppressed. And can I just say something? That was not ever God's plan or protection when he gave authority to mankind. I think some men maybe need to hear that today. That is not what God created you to do. In fact, I would say if you think you're big and bad and you love to kind of push your wife or your kids around, can I just say, I would be really scared if I were you because one day you're going to meet her maker. One day we're all going to stand before God. And I want to give an account as somebody who led with a proper level of authority and respect and fear of God and how I treat my wife and my kids. And I know one of the reasons why oftentimes that people have rejected is because of the model they've seen. Can I say something, ladies? This is why it always blows me away that every woman, I don't understand why every woman would not want to follow Jesus. If there was anyone who elevated the value of women, it was Jesus. If there's anyone in a culture that was so misogynistic that when a woman was being attacked or a woman was, Jesus was the one that stood up. When they brought an adulterous woman in front of Jesus ready to stone her, but we don't know where the guy is, Jesus is the one who said, whoever's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And they all walked away and left. And he's the one. Jesus is the one who elevated. When Jesus came up from the grave, the first people who were told were women when they didn't even have credibility in that society. Come on, I think there's a picture that God's showing us that God loves women. God created women. Amen. And so, listen, wives, this is the context and the appropriate perspective when Peter says, wives, you should accept the authority of your husbands, not of men in general, of your husbands. Why? Because God has placed them to be a protection, to guard, to serve over you so that you can be everything that God's created you to be. This is the model. And so can I just, wives, can I tell you one of the ways that you could honor your husband? We're talking about love in this relationship. Here, here's the way you can. If you're single, you could, this is, right, take this down, right, notes. Treat him as a leader. Yeah, but he doesn't act like one. doesn't matter. Treat him as a leader. Start calling something out of him. Can I talk about women empowerment? If there's one thing, wives, that you are empowered to do and you have the power to do, it's empower your husband to become the kind of leader that God wants him to be. When you speak life into him, when you begin to show him, hey, listen, I, I, I just want you to do, you can begin to say and do this even if you haven't seen it yet. Can I just tell you, my wife is phenomenal at this. My, my wife, I just want to give her all the credit in the world because my wife... She, she defers to me a lot of times when I don't want her to defer to me. <laughs> Stuff with the kids. I think, hey, by the way, ladies, it's great to be, I don't know, ask your, husband, ask, my fa ask your father. You know what I mean? Stuff with the kids. Can I tell you how she does this? Let me tell you one simple practical thing that she does that I, it always blows me away. Uh, we'll go out to eat. Just happened this past week. 
We'll go out to eat. When we get done going out to eat, we're walking out. She'll say, thank you so much for taking us out to eat. Can I tell you this? My wife works. Our money, my money is her money. Her money is my money. We don't, we have one account. I don't believe in the separate bank accounts, by the way. If you're married, I don't think that's a good thing. I'm just saying, that's me. It's my opinion, but... Because what's mine is hers. The two become one. Love is death. To go back and watch week one. And, and so we, she works super hard. And it's her money. And then when we go out to eat, she does that. Can I tell you what she's actually doing? Is she's honoring me for the weight that I carry for managing the finances because I, I manage the finances. Can I tell you what it does inside of me every time she does something like that? It makes me want to be even more of a leader. And so if I could say, wives, the one thing you could do that would maybe begin to change your husband is if you kind of start start treating him as a leader, even if he's not one, and you might be surprised. He might start stepping up. Now, men, part of that was also for you to know how we're supposed to lead. Serve and protect, serve and protect, okay? Now, I know that felt like it was for both, but that was really for the wives. Now let me read to you what's for the men. 1 Peter 3, 7. Here's what he says to the guys, the husbands. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with what? Everybody say that word with? As you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. What I don't see uh, Peter telling the husbands to do is just tell your wife to get in line. Tell your wife to just, you do what I say. That's not what he's saying. Can I tell you guys, husbands, what he's saying? He says, first of all, give your wife honor. Give honor because it's due. Not She doesn't have to do anything because of who she is and the gift that she is to you. And he says, how do we do this? How do we give honor? Here's how you give honor. It's how you treat someone. Husbands, how you treat your wife is how you give honor to her. And here's what he said specifically. He said, treat her with understanding. And I know some of you men are thinking, but I don't understand her. (laughs) Let's talk about that for a minute. Women are the most complex creatures that God made the ultimate pinnacle of God's creation. I can't figure them out. Men are simple. They think about three things, and that's it. I'm not even going to say what they are. You all know what one of them is. Women are deep wells that never run dry. And when you don't under, can, can, let me say, how do I treat her with understanding? Let me give you a rule of thumb. When you don't understand her, treat her with understanding. When you don't get her, Go, I'm just going to, you know what? I don't understand, but I'm, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to treat you with understanding. When you don't understand why she's crying over something, she's just emotional, and you want to fix it, because that's what I'm doing. I want to fix her. And look at it and go, I just need a good cry, and I don't get that, but that's okay. Then you know what? Honey, you take your time and have a good cry. When she wants to spend money on some expensive hairspray and you're saying why don't you use the cheap stuff and she says you just don't get it because you're a man say okay I don't I don't understand it and let her get the expensive uh, hairspray when she spends all that time in front of the mirror and nothing changes 
because she was perfect before she got started. You just say, I'll sit here quietly until you get done. When you don't understand, treat her with understanding. And here's what Peter said. I don't have a lot of time, but I want to show you this picture. Peter said, um, even though she may be weaker than you are, can I just say today in our culture, we go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you call me, weak? Here we go again. What do you mean, even though she's weaker than you are? Uh, King James says, treat her as the weaker vessel. I don't, ooh, I don't like that. I don't know. That just doesn't seem real. Weaker vessel? We call her weaker? I, I wanted to show you a little illustration of what I, I think Peter was trying to say. Let me, let me show you. Okay. This is a 64-ounce Speedway Big Guzzler Bubba Keg. I don't know what you call these things. But I want you to for a second, just pretend this is, this is every man. This is what men are like. We're rough. We're rugged. We're tough. We like that you can throw this on the ground. Nothing will happen to it. It doesn't break. We like to rough house. We like to fight. We, 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 we're, we can hold a lot. We're so, we get the groceries. How many of you men try to bring in every single bag in one trip? You got 15 pounds hanging off your pinky because we want to prove to our wife how strong we are. Watch this, honey. You know, balancing a case of water on your head while you do it. I can get it all in one trip. This is us, men. We're rough and we're tough and we're rugged and we're big and we're strong. God's made you big and he's made you strong. This is men. And this is you ladies. Dainty, pretty, crystal, shiny, got curves. We're boring, but y'all got, and uh, this, is, this is a crystal vase, I think. But for the sake of the argument, let's pretend it's crystal. I don't, I don't remember for sure, but, but can I ask you a question? If I drop this on the ground, what happens to it? See, you can make an argument that this vessel is weaker than this vessel. But can I ask you a question? Which one has more value? What, what I'm trying to say is just when he says a weaker vessel, he's not talking about in value. He's talking about physically. Generally speaking, I, I've met some women, women that I wish I had their muscles, I'll be honest with you. But generally speaking, God's, most of them have deeper voices than I do as well. That's also weird. Uh, he says, treat her, can I say this? Treat her like a crystal vase. Maybe put some flowers in her every once in a while. Maybe treat her as you should. Guys, if I could just say this to you husbands, there was a warning that Peter gave with this. I'd encourage you to go and really, men, husbands, you ought to read this verse over and over again this week. He said, treat her as you should so that your prayers are not hindered. Don't think for one second, men, that you can treat her any way you want and that you can dishonor her and that God would honor your prayers. I hope this hits a little hard today for all of us. 
Because love does not dishonor others. Love is honoring. And the greatest thing that we could do, one of the things that would change our marriages, and I know it takes the two and it takes both, and some of you have been in situations where you've tried and the other hasn't. And can I just again say that was not God's plan or intention for marriage. But when both would make a decision, maybe some of you husbands and wives, you're going to have a conversation and make a decision to say, and you're going to ask the other person, you can say, how can I honor you more? Can I just tell you, the atmosphere of your marriage is going to change. The atmosphere of your marriage will change if we begin to honor each other. Can I tell you the greatest thing that will happen is that your relationship will then become a reflection of Jesus to the world around us. If there's anything that I believe the world could look at, and this is what should happen, and see the result of love the way they do it versus how people who follow Jesus do it, and say, why is it that their marriage is so good? Why is it it seems they love each other? Why does he treat her that way? Why does she treat him that way? I want that. It's a reflection of Jesus. And the greatest way that we could bring honor to him and his name is how we treat and honor one another. And so let's make a determination in our marriages. If you're single, you're dating, this is something you need to receive. Love is honoring. It does not dishonor. But love is honoring one another. Amen. I just believe God wants to minister to all our married couples specifically, but would you all just stand to your feet with me today? I just want to have a time of prayer and if you'd bow your heads, just close your eyes. Let me, let me just pray over you. Father, I pray right now in this moment that by your spirit, God, that you are speaking to hearts and God, I pray you bring conviction, not condemnation, but conviction, God, where it is needed. God, I pray that we as men, husbands, God, that we would, we would honor you the way we're supposed to honor you. I pray, God, that we would treat our wives the way we're supposed to treat our wives. Listen, as we're just here in this moment of, of just prayer, and I believe there's a response to this, especially if you're married. If you're standing next to your spouse, would you do me a favor and just grab their hand? I want to pray something over you. I want to pray over every single married couple here and in Lancaster if you're watching this right now. Father, I pray right now for your, I pray, Father, for your grace over their marriage. I pray, God, that you would work in them to bring about honor. I pray, God, that our relationships, Lord, would reflect you, that everything that we do in our relationships between husbands and wives, God, would be so honoring to each other and so honoring to you, Jesus, that the world would take note of the marriages represented by your community, by your church, and say, I want that. I want to know the God that they follow. I want the love that they experience. So God, I pray right now for grace. I pray, God, healing where there has been hurt in the past because of dishonor. I pray, God, that you would bring a work of healing and forgiveness right now in the name of of Jesus.